You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an early afternoon edition of the MJ Sportscast. My name is Mike Tang, joined by my co-host, Jerry Yang. Jerry, how are you doing today? Good, good, man. Excited. Football starting soon. So, you know, like, can't be happier at this point to be a sports fan. How are you doing? What's on your mind? Well, yeah, a bunch of stuff has been on my mind lately. Uh, training camp and practice for the 49ers has been pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. Here, you know, a lot of good reviews from, you know, most of the position groups, um, especially from the quarterback position, especially from number five himself. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans were able to attend uh, last Saturday's practice um, there. So yeah. I think that was um, a good way to um, kind of showcase, you know, the product and kind of see where, you know, some of these players are progressing here. Did you go? Did you go to the... Um, no, Friday, I didn't go, though, but like I did Saturday have um, quite a lot of friends who were able to make uh, it. Okay. Um, so it looked like a good showing um, there. It was, what, about like, yeah. 10 to 20,000 people who attended the Right, practice. right. Yeah, it felt like a game. That's what some of the players said. It was fun to hear the fans like cheer when there was a good pass made, and there was a lot of highlights of Trey Lance. So it's looking, looking pretty good, and... You know, I think it's only a matter of time before we see him in the starting role. So we'll see what happens. But looking looking promising for uh, yeah. top traffic there. Yeah, we should also anticipate a preseason game um, this weekend on Saturday at 5.30 p.m. against the Chiefs um, mm-hmm. here. Um, kind of like a, a remake matchup from the Super Bowl <laughs> a of seasons ago um, here. Yep. But Jimmy Garoppolo should play maybe one series or two um, in the first half. And we should see... Um, plenty of Trey Lance, I believe. Yeah. In this game. I think this is probably one of the most like anticipated uh, preseason game uh, compared to uh, years past, right? I think uh, Trey Lance will get. Uh, they uh, Shanahan said Trey Lance will get the rest of the first half after Jimmy c- comes out, and so I think this is the first time where we're actually really excited to see the backup quarterback. Um, I think previously it was kind of like, okay, let's see what Jimmy can do. Once Jimmy's off the field, then whatever. <laughs> let's see how the running backs do. But I think yeah. this year is a little bit different, right? It has a different feel to it. So definitely looking forward to the game. Um, actually going to the game. So we'll be, we'll be a oh, lot of fun. Awesome. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you should uh, let us know how it goes on the next episode here. Will do, will do. You know, with the new yeah, stadium rules and stuff too, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they handle some of the COVID stuff as well, right? Or if they will do any COVID precautions. But I think a lot of fans or season ticket holders are actually looking forward to the free food. That's like the the new addition to their season tickets is they actually get free concession food. So that'll be kind of interesting on seeing what they provide and what they don't. I have a few friends who are season ticket holders and so I'll get their feedback and see, see if the Niners are how generous they are with that free food concept with the season ticket holders. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) 
Um, and, off, and other news here, John Lynch um, officially was inducted into the Hall of Fame in addition to guys like Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson mm. um, here. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the induction? Yeah, I mean, it was great that you guys do, right? I think even um, Denver and Tampa all gave him a, a shout-out, you know, on their Twitter saying he's a long-time Hall of Famer and all this stuff. So I think it was a long time coming, and I think – as a GM for us, it's kind of reassuring to see a guy who's playing the league. And it's a reminder, too, that, hey, this is a guy who was a good player back in his day, right? He's not just the GM in the uh, suit. He's actually you know, uh, been there, done it. And I think the people that he gets respect him for that, right? I think... Um, if you have a guy who's purely a suit, right, a guy who hasn't played a game before, uh, it doesn't command as much respect. And, you know, pulling pay players from free agency and getting players to stay even, I think having John Lynch there as a Hall of Famer definitely helps his case, right? I don't know if people do it because he's a Hall of Famer, but at least it's addition and it helps uh, command that respect that the locker room gives him. You know, I think a lot of people give him that credit. Yeah, one thing to add to that, I would have to say that it's really tough to make it into the Hall of Fame strictly mm -hmm. as a player itself, right? There's only maybe, True. Um, I don't know, maybe like handful, 20, right? yeah. you know, mm -hmm. surefire Hall of Famers in the past like 10 to 15 years who make it just as a player. So if you're a player and you're trying to make it to the Hall of Fame, um, you have to find out some other outlet, right? If it has to be the media or you have to be like a general manager or, or some sort of front mm -hmm. office executive. Um, it does help your case. It helped Jimmy Johnson's case here when he was a coach for the mm, Dallas Cowboys. True. He went on to CBS. Um, it helped with uh, Cower, uh, Bill yep. Cower's case here, where he was he was the coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, he became um, you know one of CBS's mm -hmm. guys. Um, so and say Tony Dungy as well. Tony Dungy, yeah. right? I think that's another guy that I actually don't was a little surprised when Dungy got in because I didn't think he was like that great right but you know like you said being a coach being a broadcaster being a player back in the day i think yeah. having that triple threat resume helps you know i think john lynch has that triple threat and quadruple threat now with gm right because he was a player I, mean, I guess he never coached that's the main thing but he uh, was a player he became a broadcaster then became a gm right so i think yeah. that really solidifies his case uh, of be a hall of famer and you know like i think some guys are some people i think some fans are really disappointed that patrick willis didn't begin but i think given the longevity of his career and not winning a super bowl and like you said you kind of need to do a little bit more than just being a player right um you have to be more involved in the game if he was like a broadcaster or if he did some coaching after he retired then we then we'll talk right but you know as much as i like patrick willis i'm you know he's probably one of my favorite Niners of all time, you know, not next to like Jerry Rice and Steve Young, all those guys. Right? But during that Harbaugh era, I think he was definitely one of my favorites there. Um, I can see why he didn't get it. You know, and I think there's a lot of social media talk about that. So definitely, um, you know, a guy like Terrell Owens was having a tough time getting in as well. Yeah. He has tremendous numbers, but as we all know, um, his relationship with the media and the public is not the best um, <laughs> no. in the last 15 years or so. And he hasn't really done a lot of broadcasting work and things like that to kind of help his case. So, you know, what you do for the game and 
and uh, you know how you present it is also really important. Yeah, I think he somewhat somewhat negatively impacted the sport a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. I think he perpetuated that stereotype of a diva wide receiver, you know, like having um, being in interviews and being in like you know, talk shows and things like that and having those press conferences and celebrations where you just didn't care. You know? yeah. I think that that hurt the game a little bit because now people are perceiving right receivers as like divas more so than others, you know? So it's, uh, it's unfortunate for him, but at least he got in, right? I think he's, he should be there. If you think of the top three best right receivers, I would say Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and T.O. I would say it's number three up there. So, mm-hmm. Um, so we'll yeah. see. All right, let's move on to Major League Baseball stuff here. Um, first, let's talk about the Giants. They're the hottest yep. team in baseball um, as of this moment. <laughs> uh, first to reach 70 wins here. They're over 31 games, uh, over 500. Um, they beat the Brewers um, in a road series, yep. a couple of late comeback wins. Um, here they just swept the D-backs in the two-game series at home. Um, here, what are your thoughts about the the latest uh, stretch of games? Uh, do you think they can keep it up throughout August and September? They sure seem like they could, right? I think that's the uh, that's the main thing, and I think Chris Bryant has been a great addition to the team. And with Belt back on this hot streak, this seems unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having um, Posey still getting it done, Crawford's looking unbelievable as well. Like uh, Crawford's like an RBI machine. <laughs> I think once the bases, once you have someone on second and Crawford's coming up, I think most pitchers are going to consider walking him at this point. And I think one of the games was kind of funny where uh, Crawford actually got walked for Posey, right? I think that was probably the first time ever that's ever happened. Usually it's the other way around, right? Where people are trying to get get to Crawford by walking Posey, you know? But, the, you know, that was a first for him. But now... Uh, it kind of shows the respect that Crawford's getting. And he's having a, a near MVP season, I would say. Right? Yeah. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that because I think he's getting it done on both ends of the ball. You know, even on the defensive end, he's a defensive monster. And I think one of the things, uh, subtle things I've noticed with Crawford's game is with line drives that happen that goes to the shortstop position. He catches it. He kind of takes a few seconds to throw the ball and make sure it's accurate, right? And I think that kind of shows the veteran and the experience paying off. Because I know a lot of shortstops, they catch it, they like, you know, frantically throw it. But I think Crawford can kind of gauge the runner and time his throws, right? So it's, uh, you know, those little things I think kind of stand out for me, right? And seeing belts like um, offense on the play as well, he seems like a smarter hitter these days. You know the pitches that he takes and versus the balls that he um, he gets. He's he's looking. He has a really good eye right now. So so exciting stuff. Yeah, it's it's really um, it's really appalling to see how guys like Crawford has aged. You know, pretty well mm-hmm. throughout the yeah. years, and that kind of goes to show their work ethic and and trying to keep up with the game as they reach you know in their mid thirties or so. Um, here, when Brandon Crawford first came out, he was basically a defensive whiz, but you were hoping that he would hit like 220, right? To stay in the right. line. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nowadays, typically shortstops are like that, right? Shortstops, you'll have high expectations, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I would say over the years, short, the shortstop position um, has gained more power offensively. 
um, here. It's not like the '90s where you had like Aussie Smith, That's true. Um, who would, who you're just like, okay, just hit 200. We're fine with you batting eight, <laughs> right? But now Crawford, you know, now he's what the fifth or sixth hole um, here. Yep. Maybe sometimes he's batting third. Um, yeah, so, he's third. Um, he's adapted really well. Also, have to applaud the coaching staff here. They have the most coaches out of all the True. teams on the field, and it's definitely paying off. And I won't be su surprised if some of these coaches are plucked off the mm -hmm. plucked off the managerial roster after this season, just so they can. It's kind of like how in football, um, general managers would try to talk to Patriots coaches, right, to pluck them off their right. Um, to pluck them off their team and try to pick their brain. So I mean, we're seeing that with the Warriors, right? Like the Warriors, um, you know, like assistant coaches occur. All of them are getting head coaching opportunities. And I think it's going to be the same for the Giants because of how talented this roster is. And yeah, I guess that, that's what makes it more important for us, I feel like, to win a World Series this year and next year, you know? Because um, that window doesn't last forever. You know, you can get a bunch of coaches, but you know, the great ones are going to leave and, you know, you're going to have to try to build new again. I think one thing that we underestimated, I think everyone <laughs> underestimated except for Farhan maybe, uh, is Gabe Kapler, right? I think it was a better fit for our team than we thought. And he seems to be learning a lot as he goes in the beginning of the season. And now he's on cruise control, right? Like he's definitely a high performer, I think. And what one thing I really appreciate from him is also getting injury updates right away. I think in the press conference, he doesn't really, you know, dally around. He gets straight to the point and says, hey, you know, like belts out at least 10 days. He has this injury, you know, <laughs> like yeah. like he's really straightforward with that stuff. And I think the media appreciates that transparency as well. You know, as a fan, I certainly do, right? Like I want to know what's going on. And a lot of times for other sports and other teams, you don't really hear that. You hear like, okay, they're working on it. We'll have more later, right? And you're kind of on the edge. You're kind of nervous for that guy. Right. <laughs> but at least Gabe kind of gives it, gives it to you, right? So it's, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think it's a good coach too. Yeah. Do we want to talk about Aubrey Huff? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> just briefly, was, you know, Aubrey yeah. Huff is in the news um, again here. So as we all know, Aubrey Huff used to be the Giants' first baseman. Um, he's, he was out of the league. Um, you know, kind of due to, um, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol. Um, it's been well known that he, you know, he's used, you know, prescription drugs in the past as well um, during his playing days. Um, and now he has lashed out on social media uh, once again, uh, being banned from Twitter and then taking those angry posts over to Instagram um, here. Is this something that uh, fans should be concerned about, Jerry, or should we just kind of brush it under the rug? Yeah, I mean, Aubrey Huff also is really uh, conservative as well, conservative-leaning in his political yeah. views. I think that's also what's setting a lot of fans off, right? Especially in San Francisco, where we're very left-leaning in general. So it's like seeing his Twitter post, he, I think he got banned because he was talking about like vaccines and the efficacy yeah. of vaccines and... I think Twitter, um, you know, put like, you know, the, uh, the more detailed or like, you know, potential fake news type of flag on them. And then that's where he got really angry at that. And then yeah. they banned him, right? <laughs> and so I think his IG lash out, it just shows a lot of immaturity from the guy, you know, like a guy who was a veteran. I think even when he was with the Giants, he was also known as a veteran guy that that's like guiding some of the younger guys. And he's just not showing that maturity 
after the game's over, you know? And I think his book, I think he wrote a book about his addictions and everything else. I think it gained a lot of sympathy, actually, right? Like, I think a lot of people were thinking that, um, were feeling really bad for the guy with what he'd gone through through the league and why he turned to drug and alcohol and stuff like that. But, you know, he's not looking good right now, you know? Like, I think he went on radio shows blowing up. <laughs> now he's blowing up on Twitter and doing angry posts on IG. It's... Yeah, it just shows a lot, a lot of immaturity from the guy. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree uh, with you here, and I, I just think giving the guy. You read his thing. book, right? Didn't you read his book? I, thought I did read. I did read his book from. Uh, yeah. From, yeah, I did read this book. What you think uh, of it? Here. I guess. You know, at the I time, you know, it was it was a good you know, autobiography of his life. Here, he was definitely dealing with some personal demons. Uh, it gave some insight to some of the 2010 teams and what he was going through um, in 2011 and 2012 in terms of trying to get on the field. Um, he was basically, you know, having some, um, yeah, alcohol issues um, hmm. there, um, especially, you know, nights before games, um, just having a tough time just staying on the field there. So, hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it was a solid book at the time, um, but as the years go by, you can kind of see, you know, what the true character is. And, you know, we yeah. hope that, Aubrey Huff kind of cleans up his act and tries to find something meaningful in life here. Yeah, totally. And if he, you know, I hope he got help after that, right? <laughs> like, um, I don't know if the book mentioned that or if he did it in real life, yeah. but, you know, people with addiction, it doesn't go away, you know? And I think in some ways, like him acting out like this and blowing up at people might be a cry for help too. You know, I think we can't underestimate that. I mean, think of Richard Sherman, right? <laughs> and how he kind of lacked, latched out. And, you know, I think there's some underlining issues with him as well. So it's, uh, so yeah, had, I hope the best for Aubrey Huff and hope he gets, gets his stuff together. So, yep. You know, and some good news here in the NBA, the Warriors have um, signed an extension for Steph Curry totaling four years, 250 million, 215 million contract um, here. Um, if you look at how much he's being paid throughout the season, so in 2022 to 23, it's going to be 48 million. The next year, 51.9 million. And then the final year after that will be 55 and 59.6 million. Do you think this is too much to give to Steph Curry at this point of his career? At the end of his contract, he's going to be about 37, 38 years old. No, not at all. Mainly because he's the franchise, right? <laughs> it might seem really daunting right now, but I think as time goes on, with the caps getting raised and salaries going up, this is going to look like a good deal in the long run. And I think from a marketing perspective, I think Steph Curry sells, right? Like he sells jerseys, sells merch, and I think he's probably the hottest, one of the hottest um, jersey and merch sales next to LeBron, you know? So I think... I think it's worth it from a financial standpoint and from a team standpoint, he's still doing well, right? Like he was contention for MVP last season. And I think the reason why he didn't get it is because the Warriors didn't make the playoffs. But once Clay comes back and once all the younger guys start developing, I think Steph Curry's role might change a little bit, but I think no doubt he's going to be still be the leader of that locker room, right? And I think it sends a message to the rest of the locker room that Hey, you work hard, you perform, and you become the leader, it pays off for you, you know? And I'd rather a team kind of spends like this on a player that's a known asset and a known guy, a known leader, um, yeah. than being cheap about it, you know? Like, um, I know we'll talk about it later, but I think the Warriors are kind of 
you know, strapped in terms of the salary cap. And that's got some people a little bit worried and why a lot of trade rumors are kind of heating up about Ben Simmons. But, you know, I think someone like Curry is worth it, though. So I I wouldn't, um, I think I'm glad the deal got done, you know. So what'd you think? Do you think it was they overspent or what? (laughs) No, I think they got uh, pretty good value for it. But, you know, there's always going to be that pessimistic side of things where you're like, okay, well, he's going to be like in his late 30s once this contract right. is over, right? And then all that salary cap will be tied up towards maybe two or three players. Hence why I don't think Steph Curry really minds the Warriors drafting all these rookies, right? Because mm-hmm. if Curry's getting paid three or four years from now, these guys will still be in rookie deals, right? True. And hopefully, you know, these rookies can emerge to be – um you know, good replacement, players. right? Yeah. Well, at least effective players who can make who can make a wow, contribution on the basketball yeah. court. So I think it's a great move. It's it's um, I think everyone in the NBA has applauded the move um, here, and we hope that Steph Curry could remain a warrior for the rest of his life. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot to the franchise as well, right? I think me and you were talking about this that you know he would have signed this deal if he didn't like the direction of the team. Yeah, I think yeah. the team right now is on a good path. Right, and this is kind of a a reassurance of that. And I think there were some doubts, right, especially with Kelly Oubre kind of um, not considering the Warriors and things like that. Um, there were some concerns about the direction, but I think Curry is kind of solidified that hey, this is a good direction for the franchise, and I want to be a part of it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the the moves that the Warriors have made recently, they traded off Eric Pascal. Uh, over to the Jazz, not in, in exchange for any players, but you know it was basically to kind of clear up um, some cap space. So they received a, a couple or a protected 2026 second round pick um, here, received no players in return, um, and then a day or two later they were able to um, you know sign Andre Iguodala to a one year um, contract um, equivalent to the veteran minimum. Um, what are your thoughts about the Andre Iguodala signing? And did you like the Warriors <laughs> giving away Eric Pascal, who was effective his rookie season? Yeah, but definitely it was. showed signs that he was not improving this past season as well. Yeah, injury concerns as well, right? I think Pascal had some lingering issues of um, with some injuries. So I uh, just think it's kind of a little bit ironic in some ways because I think they drafted Pascal hoping it would be like an Andre Iguodala replacement, and yeah. they found out he wasn't, so they brought Iguodala back. Um, happy to see Iggy back, right? I mean, he's he's a he's a great player. You know, like throughout his whole career, he's a guy that's willing to come off the bench, so he knows the system. I think there's always benefits of bringing a player back that's been in the system before and have some type of rapport with the team. You know, so he, so yeah, so I, uh, no qualms about him. I think I'm happy that he's back. I'm a little bit bummed about Pasco in some ways, but I think it had to be done if he wasn't effective, right? And like you said, how to clear the cap. You know, like I think that's yeah. the big issue right now with the Warriors. So, um, yeah, and I don't think it's a huge drop off with Iguodala versus Eric Pasco right now, right? It's just at least for this upcoming season, I don't think it'll be a big drop off. Obviously, the long term, you probably would rather have Pasco be a player that be- gets better and better and becomes Iguodala, right? <laughs> but he's just not quite there, you know. So. So, yeah, I think uh, I agree with the moves, but kind of sad to see him go at the same time. Yeah, it's just, it's just how crazy how uh, how fast 
the NBA turns around on you, right? Yeah. Uh, during Pascal's season, Kerr, you know, noted to the media that Pascal is kind of like the future rotation player. Yeah. Going to be one of those foundational pieces for the Warriors. Um, and then a year and a half later, he shipped off for a second round. Pick, <laughs> right? um, I know. So that's that's just unfortunate, but that's just how the NBA is, right? If you can't stay yeah. on the court, if you can't evolve as a shooter at your position, you're going to have some big time trouble, you know, staying with one franchise, right? So let's just hope he kind of, uh, you know, does well with Utah and, and uh, works on his game because um, as we see, you know, sometimes the NBA passes you by and all of a sudden you're out of a job, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And also with totally. the Andre Iguodala signing, I think this is more an effect, not on the court, but more towards their his mentorship with the young mm. players. Because, right. you know, last season, it's really tough for guys like Curry and Draymond to give mentorship because they're the ones actually on the court playing all the time, right? right. So you kind of need some kind of veteran on the bench mm. to kind of, lead to kind of you know give wisdom give advice to these young guys like wise men um and just kind of showing you know how to play the warrior yeah. way so i really like the andre godala signing um for the vet minimum you really can't go wrong with it i think it would be more rumbles if it was for the mid-level exception yeah i actually paid him the 5.5 million times um times the 20 million in um in penalties right so i don't know i don't i don't really see the warriors um picking up anyone else because i think yeah. the, the last guy that was available who would have been worth the mid-level exception was dennis shorter but he yeah. was um he was picked up by the boston celtics um right so you know uh, let's kind of also talk about nico Mannion. um it looks like he is actually still with the warriors but is able to sign with italy to play overseas there uh gary payne the third has looked good great in summer league camp um here um the warriors are going to try to kind of look at him a little bit more exclusively to see if he if he's worth a guaranteed contract but i think mm -hmm. i thought that summer league was great i thought their draft picks played pretty well um, yeah moody was good huh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Moses Moody, you know, he does have restrictions, and I can kind of see why he fell all the way down to the Warriors at number 14. Yep. Um, he has a really tough time finishing inside the paint. Mm. Um, he needs yep. to bulk up. He's not the fastest guy. He's pretty slow out there. But, you know, let's let's hope that the Warriors can develop him some more. He's a guy in progress, right? So yeah. let's let's see how it goes. And I was actually surprised by how poorly Jerry Jessup or Jessup, right? Yeah. Maybe it's, I, will, I will know his first. It was Jerry, but Jessup performs, right? I, I thought he uh, he disappointed a little bit. You know, I think just how sloppy and how how I guess seemingly the game is too fast for him. You know, for a guy who's had a year under him and a lot of experience of his caliber, it's it's just. A little bit disappointing, but I guess that's what happens with late round picks. You know, <laughs> there are going to yeah. be guys like that. You know, and I think Nico Levy was a good thing in a lot of ways because I think Nico developing in Italy is a good thing for him, just to refine his skills and get a different, um, more experience somewhere else where he's kind of in a starting role, right? Like I think he's in the G League. I think he was there, but. Um, you don't get real competition, I think, in the G League compared to off offshore. So it's uh, it'll be a good experience for him, and it kind of frees up 
for someone like Gary Payton the third to kind of be considered, you know, and so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, how much of Summer League have you watched, Mike? Like, I haven't watched too many games, just highlights here and there, but have you watched all the games? I watched, uh, you know, some glimpses here. I'll, I'll watch like patches of like, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so, um, mm. mainly to see how Kaminga is doing, how Moody is doing. Kaminga, um, he looks, you know, physically empowering out there mm. to be honest with you he looks wow, nba ready nice. um he does have work to do with his uh, with his dribbling his passing his decision making uh-huh. um here he can be very reckless also mm. offensively but um he's he's a powerful man you know and uh he looks like a guy who can can possibly make a contribution to the warriors right away in the regular season i can oh I wow can see that happening that's good he definitely yeah. has a great nba body um there and you mm. can't teach that power that he um, that he produces night in and night out um, here, but he does need to sh- to improve his shooting. His free throw his free throw shooting is horrendous during this um, G-, <laughs> G League games um, uh-huh. here. He misses quite a lot of shots, um, but hopefully those those are things that can be improved upon as time goes on. Okay, so you would say he's probably worth that number seven pick then, right? Overall, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's great. Um, That's he's the best thing. talent that was available um, here. He can arguably be one of the top three or top four players out of this draft. Wow, wow, that's a big statement. So let's see if it pays off. I think um, the, we talked about coaching with the Giants. I think there, there's pretty good coaches on the Warriors side too. You know, so I think that's the good part about about this team and. Let's see how well he develops. So, yeah. What are your thoughts about Ben Simmons um, here? Uh, there's been <sighs> some talk about him, uh, yeah. come, you know, leaving the Sixers and that his relationship with the Sixers um, has been tainted. Uh, do you think there's any chance that he comes over to the Warriors at all here, or is that something? I don't think that- so at this point. I think it would have already happened. You know, yeah. I think the longer this goes on, the less likely it's going to happen. I heard there was a lot of interest on both sides, but you know, I think we just would have to give up a lot. I don't know if the Warriors are willing to do that right now. You know, so do you think he would be a good player on our team? I don't even know if he's a great fit for us, to be honest with you. I don't, a lot of, uh, I don't think he's a good fit, to be honest with you. Um, here, right? Um, just because. Like you just can't have Simmons and Draymond Green on the floor at the same time. Yeah, right. That's just going to be very challenging offensively. Disaster defensively, <laughs> defensively, it'll be great, right? But then yeah. you have to score points in this league, right? No longer yep. are the days where you can just score ninety points and be okay with it. You have to be able right. to score 110, 120 points a game. And if you're going to have two guys who kind of are non-shooters, you're just going to have too many possessions where you're where you're going to have like. I don't know, 20 point quarters per se. So I don't see it happening unless you give up a guy like Andrew Wiggins. I think Andrew Wiggins is a lot more valuable than Simmons um, Mm -hmm. at this point here. Um, So let's, let's wait and see, but I don't foresee him coming to to go. And Alex Tran says, eh, I I think he agrees with you. (laughs) I think he agrees that, you know, Ben Simmons isn't really the guy. And I think he's giving us a compliment on my guys. So, yeah, shout out to Alex Tran. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks for the comment, Alex. Let's kind of move on to the picks for the week, huh? Let's do it. So I didn't have a pick for the A's because the game is actually going on right now. And it's almost wrapping up. So I figured we kind of skipped the A's for today. And we will pick uh, the Niners because the preseason odds are out. 
So let's first start with the Giants. Um, so they're playing at home. Um, Logan Webb will be pitching against the Rockies. So Logan Webb is 5-3, 3 3.19 ERA with 82 strikeouts for the season. Playing against the Rockies, German, German Marquis, or Jermaine Marquis. He's 10-8, uh, 3.42 ERA, and 131 strikeouts. And the way the odds are playing out right now is the Rockies are underdogs at plus 150. The Giants are strong favorites at minus 170. And then the over-under is eight. So what do you have, Mike? You know, both pitchers are pitching really well this season. And Logan Webb is pitching really well as a late um, yeah. year. And since the Giants are at home and they've done historically well against the Rockies at home, I'm going to pick the Giants uh, to win this game um, here uh, just mm-hmm. because they've been, you know, pretty good lately, right? They've been winning yeah. series. Um, I think they're going to keep that momentum going. Um, here their offensive lineup has has really heated up as well so i'm going to go with the giants and i'm going to go with the over i think it's going to be a six three game how about you nice nice okay so yeah i think um i agree with you i think logan webb has been pretty good like his breaking ball has been lights out some of his pitches are pretty nasty actually right he's he's doing a great job and i saw some highlights of jermaine marquise and he's looking pretty good as well you know but I just think the Giants just have more offensive weapons than the Rockies at this point. So I think the Giants are going to take it. Um, the over-under, uh, it was kind of hard to decide for me. I think I'll just go contrarian to you. I'll just yeah. say under. No particular reason. Just going to go under mainly because the two pitchers are great. Um, but I think the Giants' uh, offense will carry the day there. So It's a tough line because I could also see yeah. this game going 4-3. to three. Too, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and that would consider a big offensive game, actually, right? Four to three for the Giants. So it's uh, it's kind of hard to pick. So that's why I'll just go contrarian. At least one of us will be right. So <laughs> all right. let's move all right, on to so, the 49ers and Kansas yeah. City game. Yep, Niners are uh, favorites at home, minus 2.5. Mm-hmm. And the over under is kind of interesting 37.5, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so who do you have? This is a tough one, right? Um, but I what think I'll, go, I'll yeah. go with KC uh, with this game here. I think the Niners will have some um, growing pains in the beginning mm-hmm. of this game. They're going to struggle a little bit offensively. Um, so I can see them kind of struggling to produce touchdowns right at home against Kansas mm-hmm. City. And they may even have some nightmare you know, scenarios going back to the Super Bowl. I think <laughs> about that as well. So... True. Um, I'll go with KC here, and I'm going to go with the under. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I think 37.5 is quite high for the first game of the preseason just because everyone is trying to get their feet wet. Usually during the first two preseason games, yep. the defense has an advantage. So I'll go with the under KC. How about you? Yeah, for me, I'm going to go for the Niners here at minus yeah. two and a half, uh, mainly because I think, you know, I'm hoping <laughs> Trey Lance will kind of show off his stuff in the first half, right, and have such a strong lead. And the rest of the game is just kind of, you know, status quo as with the third and fourth strings usually are, right? They're, they're not yeah. going to play a perfect game. There's going to be a lot of sloppiness, I think, throughout the whole, whole game in general. 
But, you know, I think Jimmy G and Trey Lance are better than most people think. You know, I think they're going to kind of carry the day. And some of the right receivers, I think, are looking pretty good in the second uh, um the second unit, right? And same with the running back. So, so I think we have more offensive power than we think we're giving credit for. So I'm going to say two and a half. The over under was kind of tough because I kind of agree with you that usually it's a pretty defensive game. You know, I think that's why the odds are minus two or minus two and a half because Mm -hmm. it's going to be really tight. You know, it's going to be really close game. So, so I'm going to lean towards the under just like you, um, you know, same logic as what you had, right? It's just such a sloppy game <laughs> that you're not going to get like a high powered offense um, going. And both defenses, I think, are better than the offense, you know? So it's, um, especially yeah. if you, Patrick Mahomes is not playing, you're getting like the second string and third string out there. I, got, I can't even name the second string quarterback for KC. I mean, can you? <laughs> No, not at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it's it's gonna be a nobody. Um, so yeah, so I think under under list is pretty good there. All right, very good. Any lasting thoughts before we take off for the day? No, no, I just think yeah, the diners are you know, it's exciting the diners are back. I'm, you know, pretty pretty excited that we're gonna get, you know, MLB playoffs soon as well, you know, with both the A's and the Giants are looking on track to make it so we're we're gonna look good and we're not gonna be in that one game playoff right so hopefully that, that always makes me really nervous i know the giants typically do pretty well in those one gamers but it's uh yeah. it kind of sucks to put your whole season on one game you know but this yeah. year i think we're such a high dominant team that we don't have to worry about that so so and then it's kind of interesting to see like the dodgers making so many moves to try to keep up with us while we're we're just piling ahead with the guys we have and developing in-house. So it's like two very different philosophies. And I think at the end of the day, we'll see which one pays off, you know? So, yeah, so yeah. absolutely. Exciting agree. stuff. You know, yeah, it's still early in the season, to be honest with you. Four-game lead is not really much, to be honest with you, in August. That yeah. can dis- disappear instantly, um, especially when you're facing True. some powerhouse teams like the Dodgers and Padres. So let's and see. The Mets, you know, right? Mets, yeah, Mets are coming honestly, in town to too, me, so. <laughs> like it's not honestly right now. It's not time to be excited because it's not how hot you are in August. It's how hot you play in yep. in uh, in October um, here. Usually, the hottest team makes yeah. it, makes it far into the playoffs. So. Yeah, we'll see. And then I think uh, we, yeah, like you said, we have like a month and a half left. So <laughs> we have some really, I think a lot of good division teams that we're playing. Like the Diamondbacks are underrated, I feel like. You know, I know the record doesn't reflect it, but they're kind of a tough out. <laughs> you know, the Giants are, we're struggling a little bit with them. And I think we have an A's game that's coming up with them. The Mets come to town. We're actually playing the Mets twice, you know, like in two series. And so I'm a little bit nervous about that one. I think we're underestimating how good the Mets are. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how it goes there. But, yeah, the Cubs should be okay. Padres are going to be tough. The Braves, how are the Braves doing this year? Do you know how good they are this year? I don't know. The Off Braves the are usually head. pretty tough competition for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, so they're coming to town. Yeah, they're second. They're tied actually for first in the NLE. So I think yeah, they're going to be a tough out. So yeah, I don't see a lot of gimme games besides maybe the Rockies and the, the D-backs. But like we mentioned, they're tougher. They're a tougher team <laughs> to eliminate than we think, right? So yeah, so yeah, I think we just need to beat the teams we can beat and go from there. And we're playing the Brewers again, right? And I think the Brewers are actually 
one of the tougher matchups for us. So yeah, so we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, I think we're we're kind of got the bad luck of the draw near the end of the season. You know, it's kind of. I guess it's kind of known because our our division's so tough, but I w- wish we're playing lower teams, you know, <laughs> besides the Cubs. You know, I think the Cubs is like the only team, mainly because they blew up their team. You know? Yeah. So, so we'll see. All right. Well, that's going to be exciting to watch for the rest of August um, here. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this earlier edition of the MJ Sportscast. We'll tune in next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.